is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk today about when religion is bad. Yes, you heard me correct, when religion is bad. Now, the concept that a lot of people have is that, well, religion is always good. And, and they sort of have the idea that, that all churches and all religion is good. But here's the point I want to make. People use religion. When you use religion for the wrong purpose, it's bad. It's not good. It will never work for you. And there's a lot of people that take religion and they use it for the wrong purpose. So I want to give you a list of areas when religion is bad. Now, you may be a person that uh, a person that religion is not doing you a bit of good. It's a detriment to you. You know, you, you, you've tried it and it didn't seem to work for you. And, but you may fall into this category of using religion for the wrong purpose. Okay, the first one when religion is bad is what I call false doctrine. If you believe in false doctrine, your religion is not going to have a positive effect on your life. So when religion is bad, now let's notice what Jesus said when your religion is bad. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So here we have, obviously, people using religion. Lord, oh Lord, I love you so much. I just praise Jesus. Lord, Lord, lordy, lordy, lordy. You know, people refer to the Lord as a piece of lard, a piece of fat back or something like that. You know, lard, the lard gave it to me. The Lord, the lard, the lard doesn't give it to me. Whatever. Okay, whatever. Uh, people say crazy things like that. But anyway, Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So false doctrine is simply found in not knowing what God's will is. If you want to identify false doctrine, it is simply this. It's not knowing what God's will is. Now, when was the last time you were told in church that God has a will? That God has something he wants you to do daily, every day of your life? Chances are it's been 20 years since you've heard that. And it starts with the Ten Commandments. All right, what is God's will? Will First of all, he wants you to keep the Ten Commandments, fourth included. Let's not, let's not make it nine commandments, okay? Let's, let's, let's not go there. Let's, say, let's not say God only has nine commandments. No, he has ten commandments, okay? Matthew 7 and verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? This is interesting. Jesus does not deny that these people did many wonderful works. I mean, they had soup kitchens for the poor. They were casting out devils. They had inspired preaching. You know, they were doing all these wonderful works. But they were using religion for the wrong reason, when religion is bad. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, that word iniquity just means lawlessness. It's a no-law theology, okay? You hear that in church a lot. 
The law has been abolished, it's been nailed to the cross, it's been fulfilled, it's been done away with. There's nothing you even must do. Okay. Now, another translation will say this, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now, let me ask you a question. How can you keep God's law that your church, your minister, has convinced you has been done away with? How do you keep laws that your church, your minister, has, has convinced you has been done away with? has been nailed to the cross, has been fulfilled. How do you keep laws that you believe that have been done away with? So if you believe false doctrine, your religion is not going to, your religion is bad. It's not going to do you any good. Proverbs 28 and verse 9, He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now, now what does that mean? Your prayers shall be, in, in the eyes of God, your prayers are going to be an abomination because you've turned your heart and ears and eyes away from God's law. You know, you've been praying and praying and praying and your prayers just hit the ceiling. They're not answered. Yet your church has convinced you every week that the law has been nailed to the cross, fulfilled, abolished done away with. And you wonder why your prayers, again, let's read it again. Proverbs, Proverbs 28 verse 9. He that turns away his ears from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Have you turned away your ears from hearing God's law? If so, your prayers are going to be despised by God. He's not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to answer your prayers. So if you're falling for, if you are falling for false doctrine, hook, line, and sinker, your religion is bad. When religion is bad. Second one. When religion is bad, it's what I call the quick fix, the magic wand mode that we get in. You know, I had a friend who uh, was having a lot of issues in life. He was, he was doing things that he knew was wrong, and he was drinking way too much. He was on drugs. I think he had been involved in some theft and stealing some stuff. And I told him about baptism and the importance of baptism, and, and lo and behold, he came to me one day and said he wanted to be baptized. And so I, I baptized, but he never, after his baptism, he never made any type of commitment to God. He just sort of drifted away after his baptism. And I think the reason is he was looking for the quick fix. He was looking for the magic wand. Just wave a magic wand over me. Let me do this thing. Let me give my heart to the Lord and go through this motion, and, and God will take care of the rest. He'll fix my life magically, like a magic wand. Presto, changeo, you're better. And that's not the way it worked. What he didn't realize was this. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Yeah, true conversion is a way of life. As you get older, you get wiser, and or hopefully, and that is if you have the Spirit of God, you do. But the inward man is renewed day by day. It's not a quick fix. It's not a one-time decision. It's a lifetime process of conversion. Conversion is a lifetime process. And, you know, in a way, that's this, what the false church teaches today is that it's just a quick fix. That all God is after is a raised hand. Give your heart to the Lord and that's it. 
It's a quick fix. It's, a, it's the, what I call the magic wand. And this is when religion is bad. When religion is bad. When you're believing a lie. Let's look at what Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now notice what this is saying here. Notice what this is saying. He says, first of all, you deny yourself. That denial is something that you have to do every day. You deny yourself the pleasure of sin. Yes, yeah, sometimes sin can be pleasurable. Uh, but you're denying yourself the sin that, that often you are addicted to or that you want to do. You deny yourself and you pick up your cross daily. This is not a one-time decision. This is not something you just do once in your life and it's over with. Not so at all. When religion is bad, it's when you think it's a quick fix. It's a magic wand. Third, when religion is bad, when you compensate. Compensation. Compensation is when one area is lacking, you overachieve in another area to make up for the void. And I'm talking about overachieving in the area of religion. You know, I have met people that just couldn't get enough of religion. You know, it's church six days a week, twice on Sunday. It's Bible studies, and they're just they're going through the, the merry-go-round of churchianity. They can't get enough religion. Often that is a sign that people are compensating. They're overachieving in the area of spirituality to make up for a void in their life. There was a guy that lived in my sister's neighborhood, loved to talk about Jesus, loved to talk about church, loved to talk about religion. He was caught cheating on his wife. He had a, a, you know, a long-going affair with another woman. Eventually, they, they divorced him and his wife, divorced. But, you know, if you would have met this guy, you would have thought he was the most God-centered Christian out there because he just loved to talk the talk. But he was, to compensate, he overachieved in the area of being deeply religious to make up for his infidel infidelity. And I'm convinced that a lot of men get into the ministry for this very reason. They are compensating. They're, they're trying to, they just think, well, I can just be a man of God. If I can just get more religion, if I can serve, if I can get, have a church, if I can uh, pastor, a group, uh, uh, pastor a group of people, you know, I, I will be more, you know, I will compensate. Yeah, compensation. People do it all the time. I have met people whose lives are a total wreck dysfunctional, chaotic, screwed up, and yet deeply religious. Compensation. And the more screwed up a person's life may be, the more they compensate with religion. This often happens again and again and again. I remember uh, at our church, there was a, a couple there that basically as a husband and wife couldn't stand each other, but they couldn't get enough of church. They would just, just loved it and would hang out all day long at church. You know, would have probably made a bed and slept there all night long if, if I would have allowed it, but they just couldn't get enough church. And yet, they, they hated each other as a couple, as a husband and wife. And I always thought, why don't they get marriage counseling? Why don't they fix the real problem, and that is a marriage that's not working, instead of getting more religion? The way compensation works is this. Instead of, instead of fixing me and acknowledging my sin, instead of me repenting, I get more religion. I become more spiritual. I talk about Jesus all the time. 
Compensation. When religion is bad, some of the most deeply religious people will have to face, I believe, the threat of Gehenna fire. Why? Because they lived a life of compensation. The answer for those who like to compensate is fix you. Fix your problem. You are the problem. That's the answer when we're compensation. We're compensating, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the answer is not more religion. The answer is not, well, I got to get more spiritual. I got to do the Lord's work. That is not the answer. The answer is fix you. This verse says that no matter how spiritual you think you are, if you do these things, and all you got to do is just go through the list and ask yourself, am I doing these things? You're not going to be in the kingdom of God. Regardless of how spiritual, no matter how much you have compensated, no matter how much you have served the Lord, no matter how much religious activity you've been involved in, if you are compensating to make up for the void of true, genuine character, and that's what God is after, the character of God, that you have the characteristics of God, God's nature. So, when religion is bad, another area when religion is bad is the hypocrite. Now, we all know one, don't we? We all know a hypocrite, and we know the effect that that has on us as a human being. We know how turned off we are when we meet a religious hypocrite. Luke 6 and verse 46 and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now, this is incredible. The things that God says to do, the things that Jesus said to do. You know what Jesus said to do? Now, a lot of people will say, well, he only said two things. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But that is a summation of the Ten Commandments. The first four tell us how to love God. The last six tells us how to love our fellow man. So don't kid yourself in thinking that, well, Jesus just only gave two commandments, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. No, that's a summation of the Ten Commandments. But Christ comes along and says, look, he's talking about the hypocrite here. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you're not willing to do the things that I tell you to do? Now, what are the things that God tells us to do? Look at the Ten Commandments. Read the Ten Commandments. That's the thing God is telling you to do. So don't talk to me about religion if you're not willing to do what the Bible says to do, particularly the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Okay, <clears throat> when religion is bad, there are all kinds of wrong human motives for getting religion. And when you have the wrong human motive, religion becomes bad. It's not good. It's not good. We have a world full of people who have chosen to be religious for all the wrong motives. You know, even, even the concept of just getting saved 
can be a wrong motive. Well, I'm just going to, can be a wrong motive. Well, I'm just going to get myself saved. You know, I'm getting long in a tooth and old and ugly and I'm wearing out. And me and the wife, we're going to go down to the altar and we're going to give our hearts to the Lord. And we're going to get ourselves saved. You know, it's an illusion. It's an illusion that people have. That people can wait till they about kick the bucket and they can get themselves saved and they can get right with the Lord. I'll never forget, it was a movie uh, I was watching. I forget what it was. It was it was a woman crossing the street. She got ran over by a car. She's dying. And she calls for a Catholic priest to save her while she's dying. Let me tell you something. It'll be a little bit too late to do the right thing now or the right thing then when you're dying. You know, the Bible tells us the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's what you want in real conversion you got to have time. Listen to me. You got to have time for the inward man to be renewed day by day. That's a work of the Holy Spirit where you're being renewed day by day. Not at the last. You're not going to be renewed at the last moment right before you draw your last breath. Renewal of the work of the Holy Spirit is a process called conversion. It takes time for conversion to take place. For God to change this hard heart and make it pliable, make it gentle, make it submit to the will of God. That all takes time. That all takes time. So the idea of just getting myself saved is really a false concept. It's a selfish false concept where you're only concerned about the afterlife. You're not concerned about what God, how God wants you to live right now, you see. You see, the Bible is about morality. No person will ever be saved without, without having the character of God. Now, my question is this. Are you building the character of God? How do you do that? How do you build godly character? Well, first, you've got to have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not something that you're born with. There is a way to receive the Spirit of God. And I'll put that offer up at the end of the program on a couple little booklets, Should You Be Baptized and How to Receive the Spirit of God. It is critical for you to know how to receive the Spirit of God. And you can order that free of charge or you can click the email uh, link at the, at the program if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever and download that material for free. So are you building the godly character of God? Now, I want to conclude with when religion is good. Because I think this is important for us to understand, okay, yeah, people can take religion and use it wrongly, but there is such a thing as using it the right way. There is a way to use religion the right way. So when religion is good, let's take a look at it. Psalms 51 and verse 1, David prays, have mercy Upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be justified when you speak and be cleared when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you shall make me to know wisdom. 
Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Notice this, you know, David, after he had sinned, said he committed sin with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and then had her husband killed, which was a hideous thing to do. But he says in this prayer of repentance, he says, look, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, David knew the importance of hanging on to the Spirit of God. And if you have unrepentant sin in your life, you're not going to be able to hold on to the Spirit of God. And so he, he, he pleads with God. He says, look, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I need to be restored. Restore the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Uphold me with your grace. Now, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you admitted this? When was the last time you went to God and said, God, I am, I am less than a piece of something on the backside of a toilet. And I deserve to be scraped off the backside of the toilet and flushed down the toilet. When was the last time you were brutally honest with God about your sins and admitted these things to God? And this is not something that you do. This is not something that David did, did just one time. That is confession and repentance of sin. This is a lifestyle. This is a way that one must live their life with an open line of communication with God, where God is your high priest sitting at the right hand of God, where Christ is your high priest sitting at the right hand of God, ready to forgive us. But you have to have that open communication with God. And you have to admit when you have done wrong. You know, for some people, it is so hard to admit, even to God. Now, you'd think it would be easy to admit to God because, you know, it's not as though sometimes we have a hard time admitting to other people. We might have a hard time admitting to our wives or saying, I'm sorry to your wife, to your husband, or to other people admitting that you made a mistake. That can be hard. But you would think confession to God would be easy, but often we don't want to. We want to justify our behavior. We want to say, no, what I did really wasn't that bad. It just wasn't that bad. And I don't understand why God just don't overlook this. No, no. This is something that you have to confess sin and what you are and go to God and ask for forgiveness. And it's not something that you do just once in a lifetime. It's not something that, you know, all that was taken care of long ago. I've had people say that. Well, all, you know, that my, my conversion that process and all of that stuff, all that was settled long ago. I did that many moons ago, and really now I don't have to worry about it, you know. Once saved, always saved. People believe concepts like that, you know. 
You know, that they can't lose their salvation. Well, here David is saying, look, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because if you take your Holy Spirit from me, that's the end of that. There is no salvation. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So here David is saying, don't, don't take your spirit. So he's sort of admitting that, yeah, the way you live your life and the things that you do and the fact that you always go back when you have sinned and ask for forgiveness and don't try to justify your behavior. Don't try to make it look good. Well, Lord, I meant well, which is about the stupidest statement you can make, you know, when it comes to sin. Well, Lord, I meant well. I didn't really mean to do that. No, no, you meant to do it. You're guilty. You have sinned. Ask for forgiveness. And what I'm explaining to you right now, this is when religion is good. When you can admit your faults, when you can go to God and say, God, I have screwed up and I deserve to be down the toilet and I'm asking for your grace to forgive me. This is when religion is good. There's a lot of areas when religion is bad. People use religion for the wrong reason, to compensate, to be a hypocrite, you know, false doctrine, all the lists that I just went through. But when religion is sweet to God, it's when you can confess your sins before God. The angels are rejoicing before heaven over one sinner that has repented. And do not think that that's a one-time decision that you made long ago. No, confess. Confess if you need to daily. Confess your sins to God. This is when religion is good. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.